an afternoon. I was trying to find some stories to write. And then probably about an hour and a half ago, two hours ago, I get a few different phone calls from a few different guys and have to write some stories. So that led straight up to radio time. And here we are now. And there is a lot to talk about on today's show. Uh, most the, the biggest newsworthy thing of today, Kentucky will travel to Kansas and take on the Jayhawks in Lawrence next season in the SEC Big 12 Challenge just a day after the the ACC Big 10 Challenge was released. And we don't have quite the same matchups as you'll find in the ACC Big 10 Challenge. Those, uh, you know, the SEC is still down in basketball, although I feel like it's getting better. Um, ACC Big 10, probably without a doubt, the best two conferences so of course you're not gonna have the same caliber as matchup but uh, there are some interesting games Trevor and and without a and without a doubt Kentucky Kansas the best one on the list so we'll talk more about that we'll talk about some of the other matchups we finally saw the field design for Kentucky they're obviously installing turf and we now know what that field's going to look like what it'll look like for likely a very long time because turf is not cheap to replace uh, so we'll talk about that. It's also Throwback Thursday, Trevor. So you better uh, you better get to guess in the right year. I, I, I guess we might have to do that in the second segment because in the final segment at the top of the hour, we're going to have uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk some horse racing. Bring on an expert that obviously knows a lot more about it than I do. R.J. Clark, who we've had on the show, E.J. Clark, excuse me, that we've had on the show before. And we're going to talk some of the Preakness. Can American Pharaoh have a shot at history? Uh, can, he, can he find a way to win that? He's from Kentucky's winner circle, uh, E.J. Clark, that is. So look forward to seeing him at the top of the hour. Trevor, how are you? I am excellent, TJ. Thank you. How are you doing today? Oh, a little, little overwhelmed. I wish things were a little more spaced out today, but that's okay. Uh, we're... We're here and we're we're doing radio and I'm uh, I'm happy to for now to be able to kind of just doing radio at times can kind of just be venting you know just being able to talk what's on your mind it can be relaxing in a sense so you can uh, you can share with us a preview of the stories you're writing. Well, one was an update on Caleb Swanigan and I had to make the decision whether or not I was actually even going to do the story because it, there wasn't a lot of information there. But even in that itself, I actually found it really interesting. Now, I think some people might not find it as interesting. Obviously, Caleb Swanigan decommitted from Michigan State about a week ago. And since then, you haven't heard a lot of buzz surrounding him and his newly opened recruitment. Uh, the initial, the, the first 24 hours, you heard nothing but Purdue buzz. Dan Dockage, who is very well connected in Indiana high school basketball and even college basketball, said that it looked like it was going to be Purdue. He almost guaranteed to be Purdue. That's where all the buzz was. But then sure enough, Trevor, no commitment to Purdue. The weekend came and went. And then we're almost through this week and still no chatter. Uh, the longer it went on, you would think it'd be better for other schools not named Purdue. Uh, there's some rumors going out there that California is out of scholarships, but they're trying to find a way. Uh, you know, it's really unfortunate. A little spring creening, as some people call it, trying to find a way to maybe give somebody the boot or take somebody off scholarship, see if somebody wants to walk on. Oh, and maybe on. That- why, why, why do you got to throw Tom Crean on the bus for that when Calipari did the same thing when he got to Kentucky? 
He did the same thing when he first got there, but that it's Crean is recruiting guys and then kicking them off the team the next year. A coach, when he gets to the school, although it's unfortunate, I think has the right to to construct the roster he wants to construct. Now, if John Calipari was kicking guys off scholarship that he had recruited to be on scholarship this year, then that there would undoubtedly be backlash, and Tom Crean does it every single year. I'm sure he's not the only one that does it on a uh, – not on say every single year, but I'm sure other coaches do it that just don't get noticed as much. Maybe some. Why, why am I defending I, Tom Crean like I like him as much as you think I might like him by defending? Yeah, him? I don't know. I don't know. Creening is not a thing I made up, and it's actually a real thing. He does it all the time. It is unfortunate, but he does do it all the time. So that's what. So Quanzo Martin's trying to do a little creening and, and seeing, and maybe that would open up a spot for Swan again. And obviously, he can't commit before there's a spot there. Uh, so maybe that's what he's waiting for. So I will give you a little preview, Trevor, of the story that I wrote while we're talking on this subject. I, I talked to his high school coach, who I've I've spoken with a lot during Swanigan's recruitment. I've met and talked in person a lot. He, he seems like a great guy. Uh, but he certainly seemed a little bit annoyed to be talking Caleb Swanigan and basically said, it's out of my hands. You'd have to talk to his guardian and maybe some of his handlers. They don't tell me anything. Uh, said that he didn't really even know that he had committed to Michigan State when he did. He certainly didn't know that he decommitted. He doesn't know why that's going on. But he said he kind of hinted that he wasn't all that surprised that there's some controversies a brewing. But you can read the whole story on on Cats Illustrated when it gets posted. Uh, makes you, it, it makes you think that this recruitment is uh, a bit off, in my opinion. What 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 say you, Trevor? Uh, is the word off you're trying to use, or maybe shady? Uh, Shay, I mean. Is, I, is I there a difference, really, or is it no, just off in a nice way of well, a politically correct way of saying shady without? Pointing yeah. fingers at something that should not be going on to recruit a kid. You said it. I can say it because I don't have people like rivals paying me. So I, I can say that somebody's trying to do. Let's just say Caleb Swanigan's driving around in a brand new uh, BMW. I'm not. I'm not going to say any of that. But I, I. I think there are some. I. It. It does seem strange. I'll. I'll. I'll leave it at that. I do think he was rushed into a decision, and then maybe some. Some things changed, and sure enough, and it could very well. It could. It. It could be completely innocent. Maybe uh, he thought he wanted to go to Michigan State because he didn't really wasn't in love with any of the options. But Michigan State was at least close, and uh, he could play right away. He didn't think that all these great players were going to go to California. Then sure enough, Jalen Brown commits there. Ivan Rabb commits there about a month be- before Jalen Brown. And then it makes Caleb Swanigan go, oh, well, I-, I wanted to play with those guys. I didn't think we were all going to actually team up. And sure enough, here it is, and it's it's too late for me. Ultimately decides it's not. So it, it could be innocent, but the the – the now, scuttle, the scuttlebutt surrounding it doesn't necessarily suggest that. Now, again, to play devil's advocate, though, and not to you know throw rocks while living in a glass house, but one could say the same thing. That's why Kentucky gets the reputation, and Calipari does it. It gets for bringing in numerous kids, and you can look back at the Terrence Jones situation of a guy who committed and suddenly changed his mind and recommitted to Kentucky. That's why Kentucky does get the tag it does get. I'm just saying, not saying they're what, doing what, anything bad. What? what, what oh, that they're tampering or something along yes, those lines. Yes. Did you watch Terrence Jones' recruitment? Because I feel like a lot of people that want to go down that road didn't actually watch it. Well, you're lot. asking the wrong person because you know you know I don't follow recruiting that heavily, and I've so only you, you, you yeah. didn't watch the stream. No, I did not watch the stream. You should do yourself a favor and watch that stream because Terrence Jones' recruitment was probably the most uncomfortable thing I've ever seen. He had people telling him at the press conference, at the table, to pick Washington. 
Uh, he joked. He, everybody thought he made a joke saying that he doesn't know where he's going to go. He hasn't made up his mind yet, and everybody started laughing. But if you look at that kid's face as a 17-, 18-year-old kid, he was not joking, and he was legitimately scared. He was confused. It was the most awkward thing I've ever seen to watch. So I think I legitimately buy into the notion, and of course, Trevor, you could easily say, well, you're biased. Of course, you don't think that Kentucky would ever do anything wrong. But I legitimately think he didn't. He, he wanted to go to Kentucky but was scared to say no to all the home fans that were right in front of him. Certainly his best friend, Terrence Ross, who had just committed to Washington before then, that was an awkward. That was an awkward thing, and I, I don't. I'm not really buying into the shadiness there. But, um, but again, I you know if you I'm, wanna, I'm using it from a perspective of somebody line. sitting back looking at it like me who does a ball recruiting the perspective that they get, and I'm just explaining that's why when you say that it looks like California's doing some shady, and I under, trust me, I understand. I completely get where you would come with that perspective. But I'm just saying that's also the same oh. perspective Kentucky gets from an outside outside view as well. I, I'm not really trying to hint that California necessarily is doing something shady. Uh, that you know, I, I don't I don't know if Quanzo Martin does that. I, I I don't I don't think that's necessarily the case with Jalen Brown because Jalen Brown is just a weird dude. Yeah. His recruitment was incredibly strange. But the the part that I think is more off is the fact that his high school coach Trevor knows nothing, hasn't really spoken with him about it. Hasn't really spoken with him much since they won the state championship. Didn't even know that he committed originally. Didn't know he that he decommitted and, and basically told me I needed to talk to their guardian and even went on to far as saying his people, which that is not generally normal. Let's not forget we're also talking about a comparison of Kentucky and California as well. That and that's that's true too. But uh, it, Tennessee wasn't recruiting like this for some reason. No, Quanza Martin. That's true. You're right about that. Uh, there is not a lot of momentum with with Swanigan going to Kentucky, so I'm not I'm not trying to insinuate that uh, there is or that even Kentucky's in a position to even be labeled as shady in this recruitment because it, I, I don't think that's accurate. I don't think that I, I don't think that Kentucky is doing anything like that because I don't think they're really a legitimate landing spot at this point. Now I do know that they at least initially reached out when he opened up just to see where he is at. Since then, I'm not really sure how that relationship has gone. Uh, I, I I tend to side with it. Probably didn't go well, and Kentucky is okay with that. But who knows? Uh, you're, so that, that you're a gambling man. Who would you put uh, put them in order? The pecking order of one through three of Swanigan's more than likely at least his second destination. I would probably put it at Purdue. Probably maybe still the slight leader. Uh, California right there with them, and then probably a big big drop off. Nobody it's a crap else. Shoot, basically. Yeah, he 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 was considering Duke and really liked Duke. Uh, they could undoubtedly use a big guy. I think anybody could use a six eight, two hundred seventy five pound five star recruit. I think it's in, in, whether you have two starting well, guys coming back like Purdue does in Haas and and Hammonds, you can still use a six eight, two hundred seventy five pound five star recruit. Obviously, you, anybody could use them, but Duke is probably a big. Big guy away from being the favorite to go back to back. If they had one good interior scorer and rebounder, they would probably be the favorite to win it all. They don't have that, I, and I haven't heard anything about about him considering Duke. But he, they were on the short list when he when he decided to initially go to Michigan State. Um, another piece of news that I find interesting before we kind of turn our attention towards the Kentucky Kansas matchup. You know, Trevor, Kentucky still has an assistant opening. 
for for the men's basketball staff that has not been filled, and I find that incredibly strange. That is. I'm, is there uh, is that another piece that you're working on? No, that's not that's not one of the other stories I did, and I wouldn't be able to get anybody really to talk on that. Anyways, everybody kind of assumed that Tony Barbie would just slide in from a kind of behind-the-scenes role into the assistant role. Makes sense. But it, it makes perfect sense. I, I, I would have, I would have. you talk about being a betting man, I would have probably put a, a, a lot of cheddar on that being the likely option. But it hasn't happened yet. And there's really no good reason why, with the exception of maybe, maybe they're waiting for somebody else. Uh, if you want to try to start throwing some theories around, maybe they think some other dominoes are going to fall elsewhere. Maybe they want somebody that's in TV. I don't know. There's just some other possibilities uh, for why they haven't filled it. Now, ultimately, I think they're probably just, why do it? Are you telling uh, me they're waiting for the resignation of Bobby Knight to go through completely so they can hire him? Yep, they want Bobby Knight on the bench. Is that what you're trying it'd, to tell us? It'd be, a, it'd be a sitcom. It would be... Cranky old man and John Calipari. It's better than who, anything else the ABC's put out in the last two years. I don't disagree with that, but uh, they haven't named Tony Barbie there, so there there's something else to watch. I don't. Again, I, I I'm not I can't really buy into any other theories that make as much sense as they're just kind of being lazy with it. Also, when they have Tony Barbie, he's allowed to still recruit for them in a different he's allowed to be the replacement assistant and they're able to do that although again it just wouldn't make sense not to promote him 100 percent to the full assistant nothing would really change there i mean there may be some recruiting loopholes trevor that i don't know about but i don't think there is so it's a it's a strange situation there nonetheless so i'm uh, assuming there's no names floating out officially that you can tell us that would be a possible bumping of barbie's uh advancement onto the bench well the fun rumor that uk fans are are talking about is jalen rose <laughs> now, and, now that his buddy bill simmons is no longer at espn he's he he wants out that that's the name that people that uk fans are speculating about and i think that's just because jalen rose is generally thought as cool <laughs> and uh, would be hip with recruits and um is you know obviously has a basketball mind now, I haven't heard anything more than just that being the rumor. I'd, I'd still expect it to be Tony Barbie. And I don't think, I guess the only way it wouldn't be Tony Barbie is if John Calipari and Barbie talked and they said, listen, Tony, I'm going to pay you as much as you're getting paid right now. Maybe I'll give you a little bit more. We want you on the staff. We want you to help uh, in practices and we need you to help develop these guys. Now, we still can't have you recruit. And the reason I want you to stay here is because we are going to bring in somebody that I think is a better recruiter. And I, who that person would be, I don't know. Because unless you're going to steal somebody from another staff, which I don't think they're going to do. You think they would have done that by now? Yeah, they, they, they would have done that by now, or at least you would have heard of something. I, I don't know if they're... And there's not really any other coaching dominoes to fall if if some of these NBA jobs open up and they decide to take another college coach, maybe there would be some dominoes there. But, but you would need a job to open up for to take someone's assistant coach off their staff. Well, if uh, if a staff fell apart, then you could go but you poach. But you don't need that. You can poach an assistant coach from a team without that, that 
team's head coach going or staying. I mean, yeah, but you're probably not going to. This late in the game, you're probably not going to get an assistant to say yes. It depends on what you call. If you call William and Mary's assistant coach, I'm sure he'll leave for Kentucky right away right now. Yeah, that's a good point, Trevor. You're right about that. Not that William and Mary's coaching staff needs to be worried or anything right now. I, I I don't think they. You're probably right about that. The fine people in Williamsburg, Virginia, are going to be fine. They don't need to worry about their assistant coaches leaving and, and hopping on with a job at UK. I like how you're uh, shocked that I sound that I'm right about something. Come on, you should be used to that by now. <sighs> Trevor, Trevor, Trevor. Uh, we're going to head to a commercial break. When we come back, I'm going. We're going to talk about this Kansas Kentucky matchup, some other SEC. Big 12 matchup, some of the other ones that jump out, and a nice little debate I got with, uh, with, with one of my friends today. So I'll open it up to you all, and you all can all tell me I'm right and make me feel cooler. So stick around here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We'll be right back. No fury like a woman scorned for Sega. We're back. 1450 Sports Buzz. And it is Throwback Thursday, so we're gonna, we, we've got our trivia game lined up where... You have to guess the year. I'm going to give you some clues. Some are going to be Kentucky, uh, sports-related. Some are going to be world events and this and that. Uh, a little late to putting it together, but I, I, I've got a good one, so we will we will get to that later on the show. If you want to play, you can call in to the Oxmoor Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram buzz line, 502-384-1450. As for now, let's talk about the SEC Big Ten Challenge and Kentucky getting to take on Kansas, which just makes Kentucky's out-of-conference schedule unbelievable. Just unbelievably difficult, exciting. I know a lot of Kentucky fans would probably hope that you may have more of these games in Rupp Arena instead of neutral sites and even there's even a few true road games. But it's a difficult schedule for Kentucky. And, and Trevor, if this team stands as it is now and they don't add any other players, they're going to have some losses in this out-of-conference schedule. And, I, you know, even if they do probably add one more player, it's, it's not going to be like last year. You're not going to have a, you're not gonna have UK being undefeated head into conference play. Listen, I know Kentucky fans can sometimes be overzealous – with their expectations, but I'm hoping that less than 30% really think that next year or even maybe the year after that is going to be anything like this year. This year was something that does not come around very often. No, no, and I, and I, I hope most realize that. I'm sure when Kentucky loses in uh, November or December, there's going to be some nut jobs out there that are going ballistic, but uh, 
I think I think the major, majority know that it was this was the the outlier. But it's still going to be a solid year next year. I mean, if everyone is there, and I'm not trying to keep poking at the Labissier eligibility stuff, but I mean, like I said, we've always know it's floating out there. But let's assume that it's all good. And you do bring in the lineup that you do have now. I mean, it's still a obviously a top ten team. It's still a very talented team, but it's got it's doesn't have. I don't. You don't have the experience back, even though you do bring Euless back. To me, to get through some of those early rough season bumps that you were able to get through as much this year and win some of those close games, maybe you were next year. You're looking at maybe you could possibly go into a tournament with four or five losses. Not that that's a bad thing. No, and that, and honestly, the the Kansas game. If I had to guess right now, I'd probably put Kansas as a five-and-a-half to six-point favorite, I, I, somewhere along those lines. Uh, that game being at Allen Fieldhouse, and, and, and Captain Arctic says that uh, he doesn't see any way UK wins at Kansas. Like like Wisconsin, that will be the only game that matters to Kansas all year. Kansas' fan base will obsess over it. Uh, I, don't, that, I don't agree with that. <laughs> well, I, I, I do agree that their fan base will obsess. I mean, that's going to be the marquee home game for Kansas all year. Now they're they're going to play some other good games too. But if you were a Kansas fan and you could only have one ticket to Allen Fieldhouse all season, that's the one you take without a doubt. I'd have to look at the rest of the schedule. No, but... that's the one you take without a doubt. Stop, oh, good Lord! Your Kentucky ego is running wild. It's not running wild. <laughs> it's Kentucky, Kansas. They don't go. They don't play home and homes very often. Uh, Kansas has a terrible all-time record against Kentucky. They got beat by 31 last year, embarrassed on national television. If you were a Kansas fan, you would, without a doubt, this isn't a debate, Trevor, you would pick the U.K. game to go to. What, what are the other ones? Oklahoma, which I, I guess maybe could be a rivalry. Oklahoma will be a good team. Iowa State, maybe a rivalry, not a big one. Iowa State will be a good team. Kansas State's a rivalry, obviously. Kansas State so, is a rock. So, by your knowledge, though, if Kansas was coming to Rupp, it would be by it would be Kentucky's best ticket of the season. Kentucky it's, fans would would be pumped about it by, for no one else but Kansas. I, I'm not. When did I say they'd be pumped about it from no one else? I said if you could only have one ticket. Okay, you would ticket. pick that ticket against Kentucky, and you would. Are you trying to compare the programs of Kentucky with Iowa State, Oklahoma, and Kansas State? Well, give 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 the mayor a few more years, and I might. But at this point, no. A few more years is in seven decades of success? Quite possibly. Eight decades of success? I'm not uh, saying it's not an important ticket, but to say it's about it's the end-all, be-all of the game, and especially when it's early in the season, I think is a little extreme. It's January 30th. I thought it was early. I thought it'd be earlier than that. Well, still, that's still early. That's still pro. That's later than I thought it would be. I stand you corrected. Have a, you, at that point, you have a month until conference tournaments start. Have a look at that's the schedule. Not, that's not early in the season. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not uh, backing down and, and, and conceding to your uh, correctness just yet. Okay. Uh, I don't go down without a fight. I, I I won't agree that it was. It, Kansas fans won't look at any other games because I'm sure they're going to play a, 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 a relatively tough out of conference. We we know they're going to have to play Michigan State. I'm not really sure who else they'll play, but they generally schedule pretty well. And then the Big Big Twelve is going to be good, so they will have other games on their schedule they're excited about, but. It, that will be the game that they circle, that they're waiting for, that they can't wait for Kentucky to come in um, and get a little revenge for the beatdown UK gave them last year. If anything uh, for that, yes, I agree with that. Kentucky leads the all-time series 22-6 to against Kansas, uh, which is, that's that's not, that's not even, Trevor. 
so with so with us knowing that game and and we knew that Kentucky one was going to have to go on the road in the SEC Big Twelve Challenge. Two, we knew that not only would they have to go on the road, but they were likely going to play one of the top three teams. Uh, a big debate I got in today was, will the Big Twelve next season have three Sweet Sixteen teams, Trevor? Um, quite possibly because Oklahoma brought back Buddy Hild and and I like Lon Kruger and I want to say they added somebody else. Uh, I don't know. I had to look at think about Iowa State's roster, even though they bring in so many transfers that it could be a brand new roster and still be talented. Because I know they did lose a lot, and obviously Kansas is still a contender for big. <sighs> that's that's a tough bet to say no to without one hundred percent certainty. Uh, uh- Oklahoma is going to be incredibly talented. Yes. Iowa State is going to be incredibly talented. Uh, they are bringing a lot back. They did lose some. But they're going to be bringing a lot back. And then obviously Kansas is going to be a preseason top five team. Uh, you, you, I, I, I would bet that you have three preseason top ten teams, and that doesn't always equal out. Texas was ranked incredibly high uh, heading into this year. But also, you, you know, Texas Baylor. is a new coach. You never know what can develop Yeah, you there. don't know what Texas is going to do. You don't know what Baylor is going to do. Uh, Kansas State, you never know. Uh, I, I think it's a very safe bet that they get three teams. And I I, I, th- I think the Big 12, which was hyped all, all last season and then ultimately was a disappointment for the most part. And we can't forget about West Virginia, which who actually was one of two Big 12 teams to make the Sweet 16 last year. They could possibly return. Uh, I, don't, I don't see why they couldn't. So... I think that's a safe bet, but anyways, we my my did buddy. You, and I, did you say they would or wouldn't? Which side of the fence were you on? They they will they will have three Sweet Sixteen teams. You said they would. Well, obviously, it's hard to say because you never know. The, 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 obviously, the seating will come at that point in time, but it's a long it's a long ways away. Yeah, uh, two I do like in Kansas and uh, in Oklahoma though. I'm Iowa State. I had to look over the roster and see what's come and gone with them because I don't know off the top of my head. But Oklahoma, Kansas, I know have the talent to get to a Sweet Sixteen next year. I, I think they'd get three, but so this is where we stand with UK's out of conference schedule, and there might be some other uh, matchups here and there that we that haven't been made quite uh, haven't been made 100 percent official. But they will play Duke and Chicago early November for the Champions Classic. They're going to play South Florida in Miami. Uh, throw a bone to Orlando Antigua. How and nice of you. The the Hoop Hall Miami Invitational is what they're calling it. They will play UCLA in a home-and-home series that starts by going to Los Angeles. Uh, They will play Ohio State and Brooklyn for the CBS Sports Classic. They will obviously host Louisville in Rupp Arena. They will, what we've been told, is they will host Arizona State in a a two-year series where the second game will come in the Bahamas. And then now we know that Kentucky will also travel to Kansas. Uh, Trevor, that is about... As tough as an out of conference schedule as you could possibly have, and you completely forgot about the New Jersey Institute of Technology. You're right. There's also some whispers that they're going to be playing the New Jersey Institute of Technology, uh, which should really bump up the old RPI. A, a, a good out of conference schedule, but not one that I shouldn't be that shouldn't be expected with Kentucky. Even though the SEC will be improved this year, Kentucky's never been one to shy away from out of conference schedule. And unlike Louisville, Louisville, Tino always likes to more go towards. Kind of like what Kentucky did a little bit this year, the upper class of the middle of the mid-majors. Louisville likes to do more than Kentucky. Kentucky likes to take the big names, and rightfully so. Are you, are you saying Kentucky didn't take the big names this past season? I thought they played a little bit more upper class mid-majors like Louisville did, like a Bucknell and company like that. They played Kansas, Texas, Louisville, North Carolina. 
I'm sure there might be another. They played Providence, which you know isn't a big name, but still no middle class. Up, up mid, I'm not saw mid major, but I mean, the big I'm trying to think off the top of my head if I'm forgetting anybody else. But those you know those are four big names and more big names this year as well. Yeah, and there it's and I, I there is some truth that uh, some UK fans want to shy away from it, but there is some truth that Kentucky needs to make their out of conference schedule as as nice as possible because the SEC isn't all that great uh, in that and that point holds true. It's better this year though, I think. It, well, is it better. could be. I mean, on paper it is at least. Let's let's say that. I mean, we don't know how it's going to translate translate to the court, but on paper it does look a lot better. It, I don't know about a lot better, but it does look better. I think Arkansas is going to be competitive, although they lost a lot. Uh, obviously, LSU will be a fun team to to watch and see how they're able to gel. Um, Mississippi State, I don't really know exactly what to make of it. I think Florida will be worse. Vanderbilt will be significantly better. I think that's going to be a team that's going to be maybe in the top 25 at some point this year. Tennessee, I, I don't, I don't know if they'll be better. So you will Auburn have some, will improve under Bruce Pearl one more year, despite even not having the talent that he wants. Auburn will improve. Texas A and M will be a lot better too. I think that might be a team that that hovers around the top twenty-five. So it will be more consistent. I don't know if you really have a true Final Four contender outside of Kentucky. Maybe LSU. We'll have to see. Uh, but I, I don't think the bottom also is going to be as bad. I mean, there's no way Missouri could be as bad as they were last year. South Carolina has slowly but surely improved almost every year under Frank Martin. Not any big leaps. Georgia, I don't know if they'll be better, but Fox is one of the better X and O coaches in the league, in my opinion. So they'll they'll be competitive, and they'll be a tough game one way or the other. So uh, the conference won't be – I agree with you, Trevor. It will be slightly better. Uh, but all things considered, it's – it's a very tough schedule for Kentucky, and it might be a year where you don't get maybe necessarily a one seed, uh, maybe not even a two seed. But I, I do think it is important for Kentucky. Obviously, it's always important for any team to want to win as many games as possible. But with Louisville hosting a, a, a regional next year, a Sweet 16 and Elite 8 game, Kentucky needs to do whatever they can to be in that, in that region. Uh, so these out-of-conference games... They're going to be resume builders. And I think a lot of UK fans kind of forgot about the process of needing to have quality wins because last year they just won all of them. Uh, but there is a chance that a lot of quality wins, uh, a lot of them coming at neutral site games or at home, uh, but true two true road games at UCLA and at Kansas, I think if Kentucky's able to take care of business on the neutral end of the floor and at home, Trevor, even losing at Kansas, and I guess maybe use, losing at UCLA, I don't think that would that would happen. That would be a success, in my opinion, if you come out of the out of conference with just two losses. Yeah, definitely. When I, not to change subjects, but obviously Kentucky Kansas is the, the best game in this this challenge. Is there another game that sticks out? Because I'm looking at it right now. Is there another game that would stick out to you as the most second most interesting game of this SEC Big Twelve challenge? The the rest of the SEC Big for me, it'd be Oklahoma at LSU. That's the game that stuck out to me too. I just want to see yeah. you're in the same boat. I think I think everybody would have to say that Iowa State at Texas A&M. You don't look at that game right now and think of that being a, a fun matchup between ranked teams. Come January 30th, I think that could be a different story. Uh, I think that could be a very exciting game. Besides that. Vanderbilt at Texas will be fun because it's probably going to be conflicting styles of basketball. Uh, 
And can we get Ole Miss bumped out of this and replace them with Mississippi State? How does Mississippi State not get involved in this when you have a Ben Hallen at coach and a, and a top recruit like Malik Newman at least can bring attention? I agree with that. If you were able to put, and I think they've maybe just dropped the bottom four teams uh, in the SEC, but if you were able to get Mississippi State to go to Kansas State instead of Ole Miss, uh, that'd be a much more exciting game, and it'd be a chance for Malik Newman to get some exposure, uh, which he probably will not be getting a lot of in in Starkville. So the matchups, I'll read them off. Texas Tech at Arkansas. Uh, Arkansas will win that one easily. Oklahoma State at Auburn. We're making predictions in a game. In, that could be games, a decent but, game, actually, I think. Uh, I, I, I guess I could be wrong. It could be a close game. I wouldn't say it's quality basketball, but it might be a close game nonetheless. We have eight or nine months before these games actually happen. Oklahoma State at Auburn. That could be a fun one. I, I, I think that could be exciting. West Virginia at Florida. That one doesn't do anything for me. I'll take a nap. Uh, Year, years past that could have. Georgia at Baylor, that could be exciting uh, to an extent. Kentucky at Kansas, obviously the marquee matchup. Oklahoma at LSU, that's number two. Ole Miss, Kansas State, if it was Mississippi State, it'd be more fun. Tennessee at TCU, that's a snoozer. I, can, I, I, can we say that that gets the lowest attendance of every game? Now, what if they had <laughs> Tennessee at Texas? That'd be a lot more fun. I mean, it, anybody not involving, no, no disrespect to TCU, it is the largest Christian church in the country at, uh, at TCU, but I know that game, I have no desire to watch that game unless they're running the up and down uh, Horn Frog system that Kurt Thomas used to play in in the early 90s. I don't know why they just didn't do that. Why didn't they, they, they have T, Tennessee at TCU and then Vanderbilt at Texas. Why not just switch Tennessee and Vandy? That'd be something. Tennessee, Texas? Yeah, and then you get Rick Barnes going home. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I was yeah, yeah, that would be an excellent one. And then you have Iowa State at Texas A and M. That again, that'll be a fun game come time. And then Vanderbilt at Texas to close it out. So I think overall, it's a pretty good SEC Big Twelve challenge. Obviously, it's not the Louisville fans want you to want you to realize it's not as good as the ACC Big Ten challenge, but. Uh, that's that's obvious because the Big Ten and the ACC are probably the best two basketball conferences. Hey, Applebee's isn't as good as Ruth Chris, but it's still tasty. That's a uh, well said, Trevor. Uh, that's why we I, I, that just was well said. Um, Brun DMC says TCU was decent for the first twenty games last year. Yeah, they entered conference play un, undefeated, and then quickly things went south. I mean, real, real south. Uh, we're going to head to a commercial break when we come back. We're going to play Throwback Thursday. So stick around here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. You don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Sports Talker with T.J. Walker. Brick killed a guy. Did you throw a trident? Yeah, there were horses and a man on fire, and I killed a guy with a trident. Presented by Allen Electric. Brick, I've been meaning to talk to you about that. You should find yourself a safe house or a relative close by. Lay low for a while because you're probably wanted for murder. We're back here. I remind you before we play Throwback Thursday, the Sports Talker is brought to you by Allen Electric. 
It powers the Sports Talker, Kentuckyana's first and only electrician dedicated to residential repairs. Give them a call, 636-HELP, for any electrical service. Allen Electric will never leave you in the dark. Trevor, you ready to play a little Throwback Thursday? What's this tell you? It's that time. What time is it? Damn time. What we going to do right here is go back, way back, back into time. Are you telling me that you built a time machine out of a DeLorean? So ya thought ya might like to go to the show. Contestants, good luck. Now, question number one. Who discovered America? Dick York? Dude, if you have to ask, you'll never know. Okay, a simple wrong would have done just fine. All right, your first question. 1588. That is correct. All right, it's game time. Here we go. I set the bar last week at three. Is that where you got it? Took me only took me three times. All right. Well, remember, there's no necessary there necessarily there is no time frame that I have to keep it within. So keep that in mind, okay? Uh, okay. So you're not okay. Do I get to pick whether it's pop uh, world events or UK first though this time? I'm starting you with UK first this time. Okay. I think that's what I started with last time though, wasn't it? Well, that's what you started with again this time. Works for me. So uh, this time. Uh, unfortunately for Kentucky, they lose to Marquette in the tournament. 1994. Well, hey, that doesn't make it any fun when you get it on the <laughs> Oh, baby. I am the smartest <laughs> man alive. I remember that game vividly. Damian Key ate Kentucky alive. Well, it could have been 94, it could have been 2000. It was one of the two, and I, I went with the first one. It could have been 2008, too. I forgot, about, I forgot about the 08 game, yeah. The I forgot about the 08 game. <laughs> Look at that. I am the smartest man alive! I mean, I didn't spend a lot of time in putting this one together this week because I was so busy right up to the show, I thought I was going to have more time. So I was actually doing most of it during the commercial breaks. But man, that's a bummer. It's not fun when you get it the first year. You got to remember that I have zero life. I have been single for a long time. Uh, I did not have a lot of friends in high school. And I spent most of my tenure memorizing statistical basketball books, especially tournament books. Well, that's uh, impressive. So some of the other clues. Tell me tell me if this would have helped. Uh, be, be honest uh, okay. on where this would have helped you. Uh, average gas price, $1.09. Mm, that would have would have get me probably within the somewhere between eighty eight and ninety nine. I would have guessed. Kentucky football goes one and ten. The fact that I went to every game that season, including the one that he lost at the end of the year to the brand new Division One, I think it was Louisiana Monroe. Uh, I wouldn't have. It would have gotten within it. Yeah, I would have said early nineties. Justin Bieber is born. I wouldn't. Yeah, I would have. No, I wouldn't be able to do that math quick enough because I don't know how old he is anyway. Mo Williams rushes for 105 yards for Kentucky. Again, I would have been in the 90s because I remember Mo Williams. The Lion King comes out to theaters. Mm, I wouldn't have got 94 off the bat. I, again, I know you're, I've, you've got me in the ballpark, though. I know where you're in the 90s already. I remember Lion King. I went and saw it in theaters twice. 
Travis Ford is one of Kentucky's captains. Oh, that would have given it away because he was the only guy that came back from the '93 team, Final Four team. Then before they lost the second round to Marquette, and then they lost Dale Brown, Mashburn, a lot of those guys. He was the only one that came back. Tanya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan were popular names in the news. I would have known. I was watching that with my grandmother when that event happened live. All right. So as yeah, you had time, I can't. Even, I can't even set the bar any lower than that. That's impressive. I mean, that means I got to do. I got to make it a little tougher for you, or we need some people to call in. Somebody does. Means, somebody has more of a life than me that won't get it so quickly. <laughs> which, which means, Trevor, stop selling yourself short, buddy. You've got plenty. You got a. You got a. You got a great big life ahead of you. <laughs> and you. And you've got fun stories in the past, like when you uh, waited forty-eight hours for getting into a movie. Um, but uh, you. You might just so be stupid. You might, might, yeah. We were gonna have to save that sound clip for next week. I just wanted to play because I love using it so much, and I thought I would be able to use it today. Well, we're we're gonna. I'm gonna have to toughen it up for for next time. Uh, So there you go. Throwback Thursday didn't last nearly as long. Uh, I'm I'm gonna have to make it tougher because you've been doing a little bit too well the last few weeks. Um, But with, with with it being. I'll get you next time, but it's also it's also hard for me to look up some of this stuff because there's not uh, UK football history isn't well documented, uh, and and if I wanted to get super hard with UK basketball names and numbers, I'm sure I could do that, but that wouldn't be fun if I made it completely impossible. If, so if you want to stump me, stick to closer to regular season. That'll keep me in an area, but not probably give me specific year. When you give me a year when it comes to tournaments, even though I did forget the OA tournament against Marquette. I'm usually pretty good at narrowing the years down for tournaments. <laughs> what I, I, I went to I went on a road trip with my family and literally memorized the Encyclopedia of NCAA tournament, which went from even though this isn't the same year, which was from 1939 until 1990, which every box scored every game. I almost memorized the entire book. Well, that's uh, that's Sad. impressive. <laughs> I also no no, it's impressive. Uh, I also saw that you're not gonna you're not gonna make me think that you're a loser by memorizing sports stuff. True. Uh, I also saw, speaking of sports stuff, that they're going to do an an online Jeopardy test for sports Jeopardy. I choked. That that's one of the one things I look back at. You, you ever had those moments you, you regret? I, I choked that a chance away so badly to go on sports Jeopardy. I just wasn't one. They had it at like nine a.m., which if anybody knows me, you might as well put it at like four a.m. because it's yeah. just it's way too early for me. I couldn't get up. I couldn't wake myself up. Get a nice little buzz going. Getting my, my my routine of when I'm good at my sports trivia, and uh, on top of it, they had you write down the answers. And spelling is not my forte. Even though they said it didn't count, I'm sure there was a couple answers I put down that were so incorrectly spelled that they probably counted it cr- uh, incorrect for me. So you think you got you you knew some answers, but you didn't spell them correctly? There was one. I'm trying to. I know there was. I'm drawing a blank because my short term memory is kicking in because it was 30 questions and you only got a minute per question to answer it. Or less than that, I think it was maybe I can't remember off the top of my head. Also, but there was one question I remember that I just I knew the answer. And I had no idea how to spell it. It was a name, well, and I and I, and, I, and I, it was driving me nuts. Oh, that's a bummer. Uh, we were I, I remember talking to you during that that when you went up. I think it was in Chicago, correct? Yep. I, I went there, and then after that, I went to the baseball, basketball, and football Hall of Fames on one week. That's a nice little week. That was my vacation of the year. It's uh, a lot of traveling, but that sounds like a, a nice little week. Um, but yeah, they're, I think they're going to do an online test, which I don't really know how they will be able to prevent cheating. 
pre yeah, prevent cheating and also how how you're going to lock in your answers. Would it be multiple choice? I, I am I am curious how they do that. Uh, but that might not be something you want to cheat on because if you did cheat and then you ended up making it on the show, you'd probably just get embarrassed. But the questions they ask on the show, I've watched all the first season, were probably easier than the questions they asked to get you on Sports Jeopardy. Wait, so they've done a, a season of it? Yeah, the whole first season's already been completed. And you only you can only watch it on what is it, Crackle? Crackle, yes, sir. I, I've tried to download. Does it cost money to get Crackle? <laughs> no, it's free. Okay, they do, they do stick you with ads, of course, but yeah, uh, try to, of course, try Hulu to do does it. as well, and I pay for that each month for some reason. Well, that's exciting. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to. I'm, I've got some TV watching ahead. I can watch some of the first season of Sports Jeopardy. It's but it's a good season. There's some there was some tough questions on there, but there was some. I'm telling you, knowing the questions, I, I can't remember how many I got right on the Sports Jeopardy tri tryout, and they won't tell you how many you need to get it, and they won't tell you what your score is. I know. I remember I was sitting up front, and I kind of looked over at the woman. She was doing the papers, and one of the names she called out, I think it said that they had probably, I think it was 30 questions. They had like 25 of them right. So you had to get a high percentage of them right to get in. But when yeah, I that, And, of course, it seems easier watching it on my iPad than it does being there with the lights on me and Dan Patrick 10 feet away. That's true. That, that, that is true. Uh, I think I, I think people kind of forget that when they when they say that they're really good at Jeopardy, just how tough it is once you actually get in that situation. Oh, yeah. Um, but and my boy Aaron Rodgers won Celebrity Jeopardy on Tuesday night. I was happy about that. Just not only is he just unbelievably talented on the field, also incredibly smart in the Jeopardy classroom. Is he officially your number one man crush in, uh, of athletes? Eh, I don't know. I'd have to think about that. Yeah, I, I let me think about it. Uh, we're going to go to commercial break. When we come back, we're going to have EJ Clark on, host of the Kentucky Winter Circle. They'll have a show. Tomorrow on 1450, the Sports Buzz, that will lead right up to my show. Uh, we're going to talk a little Preakness, and there's a, there's a lot going on with American Pharaoh, so we'll, we'll talk to EJ about it. Uh, join us after the break here on 1450, the Sports Buzz. We get along well. I just, I, I, he seems like a fun guy. You know, I feel like we'd like hang together well. Mm -hmm. I feel like he'd like me. You know, I'm sure a lot of guys are like, ah, I'd like to hang out with that. But I really think he would want to hang out with me is like the cool thing. I'm sure he would, yeah. Now, back to the Sports Talker with TJ Walker. We're back here on 1450, the Sports Buzz. Let's head over to the Oxmore Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram Buzz Line and speak with EJ Clark, host of the Kentucky Winter Circle. EJ, how are you? We're doing great. It's sunshine, clear skies right now in Baltimore, and we may be up to around 90 degrees on Saturday. Maybe a chance of rain, though, but it's pretty nice out here so far. Wow, that, that, that sounds beautiful and sounds like it could get a little steamy. Uh, on on Saturday. And before I ask you some questions about the horses, you're obviously familiar with, with all three legs of the Triple Crown. 
where where does the Preakness rank in those three, just as an experience, as a fan, being there, and also uh, where, where what 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 does the future of the Preakness hold? Because lately it seems like there's a lot of buzz that it, it's it's not financially working out. Well, I think it, it's a very important leg. Obviously, there's a lot of tradition. This is the 140th, so they're a year behind the Derby. The Derby has been run for 141 times. This is the 140th. But this is the second oldest track in America, and this track has so much history. And really, uh, to to be a part of the, the Preakness, especially this year, you know, with all the... the uh, the strife and the turmoil that's gone on in this city, and really it's their opportunity to really come together as a community. And that was spoken today at the Alibi Breakfast, which uh, we'll talk about in a minute. But I really think it's 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 an important jewel. There is some discussion that maybe because there's ownership of Pimlico and Laurel together with the, with the Stronic operation that it could be moved someday. I don't know that that's going to happen. I think it's a very important second leg in the Triple Crown. You always have the Derby winner coming out of here for the most part and having the hope of a Triple Crown. So I think it's an important jewel, and it's only two weeks. It's it's a tough race to win, uh, especially if you're you're not uh, somebody in the position of American Pharaoh. They always it always seems like that the Derby winner or horses that have run well in the Derby have a bit of an edge coming out of the run for the Roses and running back in two weeks into the Preakness. So I think it's a, a, a very important way. And with American Pharaoh being there, he is the, uh, the the heavy favorite drawing the one post. I think currently maybe four to five. But, uh, four to five in the morning line, yeah. Four to five in the morning line. The good thing about a horse is, uh, he he doesn't hear all the buzz surrounding him. He doesn't necessarily know about all the pressure that mounts up uh, around the race. But there has been a lot of stuff off the track about American Pharaoh and his jockey and potentially maybe getting whipped too much. Uh, how much do you think that's a factor? Is that a story? Is that something we need to to look out for over the next few days? No, I don't think it's I don't think it's much of a story at all. If if there would have been. You know, Victor Espinosa uh, did get a $300 fine for excessive use of the whip at Santa Anita. That's kind of where that, that story came out of. And uh, there was, uh, you know, some comments after the Kentucky Derby that he went went to the whip, I think it was 32 times. Uh, the whip really doesn't hurt the horse. It just encourages the horse to go on unless, unless a situation... Like what occurred at Santa Anita, there was a there was a, uh, a scar on that particular horse. I forget his name, and uh, you know, I think that the stewards at at Churchill Downs looked at that race very carefully. They saw nothing wrong, and the uh, the excessive use of a of a whip uh, part of the the story. I don't think it has many legs because we've been up here for three days now. And I've heard nobody talking about that. Well, that's that's good to hear. And, and again, it's, uh, if this were a boxing match or anything else, you know that the participant would be hearing about it and probably be in the back of their head. American Pharaoh being a horse, you don't have to hear about it. And we're speaking with E.J. Clark, host of the Kentucky Winter Circle. I've heard a lot about this alibi breakfast. Can you can you talk to me a little more about that and what exactly goes on there? Yeah, 
Yeah, it was our first opportunity to attend the Alibi Breakfast. I've heard so much about it, of course. Bob Baffert, in in past few years, when he's brought horses to the Preakness, and, of course, T. Wayne Lucas have been sort of outstanding and joking around and 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 they had some they had some good comments certainly i think bob baffert was a little bit more reflective as he has been this derby since he's won won the kentucky derby and i think he's um uh not as uh, quick with the with the with the jokes as he used to be he was he was a little a little, a little bit uh years ago a little bit more sarcastic and joking around but I think he's more reflective this year, and and certainly D. Wayne Lucas was funny. But it's a what it is. It's an annual event for the Maryland Jockey Club to give out some awards. They recognize a lot of uh, people in the racing industry. The Old Hilltop Award. There's a, an award of merit that uh, is given out, and several other awards. And then, of course, all the participants who are on hand. Gary Stevens was the only jockey that was there representing Firing Line. But uh, the, the owners and the jockeys that were on hand get a chance to get up and speak, and they joke around a little bit. And it's uh, it, it, it's really kind of a, a, a neat breakfast and a tradition that actually goes back to the late 1930s at, at the old Pimlico Clubhouse, which burned down in the 60s. But uh, it's a great tradition, and it's nice to see those the traditions and heritage of, of thoroughbred racing continuing today. Had a great crowd, and, and like I say, it was our first time to go to the Alibi Breakfast, and we really enjoyed it. And American Pharaoh Dortmund in firing line, the horses that finished one, two, three, American Pharaoh obviously firing line, and then Dortmund respectively, uh, in the Kentucky Derby. Those are the horses you're hearing the most about. It's, it's not a huge field for the Preakness, especially compared to normally what we see 20 horse fields in the Kentucky Derby, at least as of late. I know they're short of a horse or two from that number this past year. But what's another horse we should keep an eye on come Saturday that maybe we're not hearing much about? Well, I'll, I'll talk about another horse in just a moment for you, but I do want to explain to you that, you know, the Kentucky Derby has a 20-horse field, and that's the only time that these horses usually who run in the United States are going to run in that kind of field. They may run in a field of 14 later on at some point, like the Breeders' Cup later in the year. But certainly it's it's that, that great desire of everyone to win America's premier race, the actual premier race in the world if you, you know, get around to racing communities elsewhere and they know about the Kentucky Derby. It's the race that everybody wants to win and that's why there's a 20-horse field there. So this is an 8-horse field. So it looks like that American Farrell, his stablemate Dortmund, who was third, and Firing Lion, who was a very game second fighting all the way and uh, have scared off a lot of horses and so, uh, you know, there's something to be said about horses that uh, came out of the Kentucky Derby that are going to wait for the Belmont Stakes, freshen up a bit, if you will. Some horses that came out of the race may not race for a while. But when you, um, when you take a look at uh, the, the uh, finishers that are coming out, you have one, two, three, five, and then throw in Mr. Z. And which is who was just recently purchased by Calumet Farm, so uh, it's a good contention coming out of the Kentucky Derby. And Danzig Moon, 
who of course was fifth in the Kentucky Derby. It just he looked great Derby week to me, and he still looks good. So if you're looking for a price, he is fifteen to one, and he may jump it up there. I'm not saying he's going to win. He's got a great jockey, Julian Leperu, trained by Mark Cassie, who is a, who is a very capable and uh, a very good trainer. And um, Danzig Moon's a, a Moon is a horse that you know I think can improve. Whether or not he can he can beat American Pharaoh, Dortmund, or Firing Line, I'm not sure at this point. But I think he he could be a long shot and get in there in your exotics. So he's a horse that I'm looking at. And you know you always have a couple of new shooters. Uh, but uh, as as far as horses that you know, I think that that may improve off the Kentucky Derby or move forward from their last race, I would say he would be the the one that I'm looking at the strongest. And last question before we let you go, EJ. Uh, Dorman led for the majority of the Derby. Ultimately, that doesn't matter. Down the stretch, it looked like there was a stretch where Firing Line was going to win that race. Ultimately, the best horse in the field, American Pharaoh, was able to win it. When we talk to you next time, whether it's next week, two weeks, uh, will we be talking about a potential triple, triple, easier said than done, triple crown winner in American Pharaoh? You know, I I have been disappointed so many times hoping for a triple crown, especially in the last few years. We're just going to have to get past this race. I think I think one thing for sure, and we'll we'll talk about it tomorrow on our show between two and four. Shameless plug right there on the on the sports bus. But in order to get that in, uh, we will talk about. Uh, how Gary Stevens, and we've got some sound bites from Gary on how confident he is about firing line coming out of uh, the Kentucky Derby. He thinks he's still a very fresh horse, and I think he's in a great position on the outside. He's drawn post position number eight, four to one. You might make a little bit of money on him. Can American Pharaoh come back and do it? It seems to me like the Derby winner has a bit of an edge. I don't like the one hole. He's got to he's got to pretty much uh, commit to going early. He's shown early speed. There's there's no problem. Dortmund has plenty of speed. Those two are going to go out uh, certainly, and uh, we'll see what happens. It's the Preakness. It's a triple crown race, and whether or not we're going to be talking after Saturday about the Derby winner going on and as the Derby and Preakness winner to Belmont for a possible triple crown. We'll just have to wait and see. I'm being kind of cautious this year. I, I can understand that. Maybe maybe tomorrow on your show you'll you'll make a a bolder prediction. And that's uh, we spoke with EJ Clark. Thanks so much for for hopping on with us. Don't miss their show tomorrow. The Kentucky's Winter Circle, two to four p.m. right here on fourteen fifty the Sports Buzz. Enjoy the race on Saturday. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. And it's it's you always learn a little something uh, when we bring on some of those horse racing experts and none better than EJ Clark. And again, you can listen to their show tomorrow, two to four. Uh, Trevor, it didn't sound like he wanted to, to pick American Pharaoh to win. It seemed, I, I thought he was kind of leaning towards firing line there. I think he wanted, as you heard him say, he's just so eager to see a triple crown winner. I don't think he wants to jinx him by saying, I think he's going to win. Well, and I can't blame him. If I'm a horse racing guy, if you're a horse racing fiend like EJ Clark is, I mean, not have a triple crown since 1978. That's got to eat you up. I mean, that's, that's like Kentucky fans not going to the Final Four since 1978. Well, I wouldn't. Con- I, I, it would be like or winning fans a title. Winning a title since 78. Yeah. Still, that's still a long time. Which, 
you know, what that would make you an IU fan, right? <laughs> well, they won a title in '87, but that's okay. We'll save that. We'll save that little tidbit trivia for next week's uh, Throwback Day. <laughs> the, 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 I mean, do you, I, why do you have to go on and explain the joke when it was a joke that IU just hasn't won a title for quite some time? Sorry to, to ruin it. I, I, that, that's my mo. <laughs> Trevor. Oh man. Uh anyway, so Told you don't get inside my head. I, I haven't I haven't made a, a preakness prediction just yet. I'm st- I, I like Dorman for the Derby and I, I still think I've you know, I want to see a triple crown winner just like anybody else, but I, I wish we could see if Dorman were to win, I wouldn't be completely mad, and then I wish we could see best of three in the Belmont, although we probably wouldn't as soon as American Pharaoh either loses the Preakness or wins the Triple Crown. He's heading to the fields to do some to do some other type of work, Trevor. Which isn't too, too bad of a uh, of a life to have. I'm actually going to lean towards Danzig Moon. I, I I bet him in the Derby. I know he didn't pay off anything, but his trainer was a, uh, a his trainer went to high school with Mr. Coffee, who's going to be joining us uh, right after your show and. I took uh, the Cassie family's uh, advice and bet on all their horses at Derby Day and actually, I think, went two out of three winning. So I'm going to stick with that. And at 15 to 1 odds, I don't mind. If anything, if you're willing to put like $5 across the board on every horse except for the big three that you mentioned, Firing Line, uh, Dortmund, and, and uh, American Pharaoh, if one of those horses comes through, you're going to win some decent money. Yeah, it, you will. Uh, but you you don't see the crazy fifty to one, seventy to one shots that you do in the Derby. No. Obviously, we know why because it's such a smaller field. Uh, moving on from horse racing, we'll probably mention it a little bit tomorrow. And again, you can listen to their show where they will talk nothing but horse racing. I'm, I bet they don't get as off track as we do, Trevor. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't during, have me interrupting him so much. <laughs> and I'm sure they don't have they don't talk that much about TV shows and other silly things. Uh, a little bit of breaking news. Noah Dickerson, who was a Florida commit, he's a six foot eight, two hundred forty-five pound power floor power forward from Florida, and was committed to Florida, decommitted, and got his release uh, from the Gators. He's a four-star, number eighty-one in the class. Uh, I know a lot of Kentucky fans are going to want to jump on and say, "Hey, this could add to our depth on the front court." As of right now, I haven't heard of any contact between Kentucky and Mister Dickerson. Uh, he did go to Mount Verde Academy, which is a, a really, really good prep school. I haven't heard anything about that. Um, at, at the surface, I don't think he would be a guy that would be able to contribute significantly at Kentucky next season. But the 2016 class, when it comes to bigs, is strange. Uh, obviously, so I'm talking about the 2016-2017 season. Obviously, Scalabissier will be gone. I would imagine Marcus Lee would probably be gone as well. Uh, and it's not a very deep big man class for that year, so it might not be the worst thing in the world just to get some bodies. You give if you were able to land Noah Dickerson and get him a year of experience and, and get his body right, it might not be the worst thing in the world Kentucky could do. Again, haven't heard that they were even remotely interested. His best offer besides Florida when he originally committed probably would have been Connecticut. Uh, in Connecticut, they kind of offer everybody. So, I, again, I don't think he's the caliber to make an impact this year. Um, but something to keep an eye on. Now Florida down to three commits for the class. Uh, again, I don't know if any of them really are Kentucky caliber to come in and make an impact right away. They do have a player committed, though, Trevor, named Keith Stone, 
from the Keystone Light commercials. So that's kind of funny. Any relation to Marvin? I don't think so, uh, but his name is Keith Stone, and if you've seen those Keystone Light commercials, uh, yes. college kids would love to be able to cheer for him. Maybe it's an age thing. I didn't think those commercials were very funny, by the way. I didn't think they were all that funny, but they were they were inch- I didn't think they were stupid or I mean, terrible. They're, they're better than the dumb Bud Light we're up for whatever uh slogan they do. Yeah, I I agree for that. Did you see that the Bud Light up for whatever their cans have yes. certain phrases <laughs> on them? I did see that. Thought it was uh I I don't know if I should say I laughed at it because uh maybe it's so inappropriate, but then again, you know, when have I been appropriate? Yes, I, I did notice that, and it did make me chuckle a little bit. Uh, so on the be- so they have that the perfect beer for whatever s- campaign they have uh, going on, and the commercials are asking a guy if they're down for whatever happens next, and then all these crazy things happen. So on the bottle, they're putting different phrases. One of them was the perfect beer for for removing no from your vocabulary for the night. <laughs> what I mean, I hope that person got fired. I don't know. The, the probably not the person that probably came up with the idea got fired, but whoever agreed to it and said, "Okay, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's stamp that on about a thousand bottles." I'm the sure that person probably got fired too. The perfect beer for removing no from your vo- vocabulary for the night. But if you're willing to put something like, I mean, come on, you're up for whatever. But they they proved that they're not really not for whatever when they fired Warren Sapp after he got in trouble with the law for not paying a woman of the night. Clearly they're not up for whatever. Cause he was, did, did Bud Light fire him for that? Yes. So obviously it's a, uh, so they're hypocrites. yeah, they're not up for whatever. Wow. Unbelievable. Uh, and here on the sports soccer, we don't, we don't, we don't promote that. Yeah. We uh, promote pay your, pay your lady of the night people. But, uh, no, no. Okay. Uh, well, moving on. Oh, that's not what you meant. My bad. Uh, the, so our boy Colin Cowherd added again, ha- taking another chance to rip John Wall oh, today. Did you did you see that? What did, let me guess, he didn't block the uh, the Schroeder shot enough. That they caught, and as a result, it went to uh, Al Horford's hands, and he was able to put the uh, go ahead go basket in. Is that what it was? He didn't make an effective enough block. What a tough way to lose. What a tough sports night for for DC. And yes. I will admit that I don't listen to Cowherd anymore. I, I used to actually like him and. When I didn't have anything to do in the morning, I listened to him. Now I don't, just because uh, John Wall stuff's really kind of rubbing me uh, the wrong way. He's falling in a hole with that, and he just keeps digging himself deeper and deeper with it. So I think it was somewhere in the first or second quarter last night. I was actually watching it live, and and, and I, I started to skip later on in the third, and then obviously watched in the fourth. But uh, I, I did see it live. John Wall, I think, scored an and one, or even or made a pass that led to an and one, and then he he went on to do a hand signal that a lot of people on Twitter automatically associated with a gang sign. I think the Bloods was was the sign that they were referring to. Uh, whether or not he did that, you hope that he wouldn't just because that doesn't seem like the right place to, to throw up a gang sign. I don't know what affiliation John Wall would have to the Bloods growing up in uh, a, a decent school in North Carolina. I know hey, I'm not Ra- Raleigh, North Carolina is gang central, my friend. And I'm not saying John Wall came from a, a very rich family, quite the contrary, as a matter of fact. Uh, but he did go to a, a pretty nice school for the most part. And I, I don't know where along the lines of him growing up, going to Kentucky, and then going to Washington, D.C. and being a multimillionaire, he would have time to be initiated in a gang or get involved with gangs. I, I don't know where along the lines here. 
but I guess Colin Cowherd, gang sign expert, had made up his mind that it was undoubtedly a gang sign. And instead of talking about John Wall's unbelievable 15-point, seven assists, four rebounds, two blocks, four steal performance with five bones broken in his hand, that corn cob wants to spend more time talking about how John Wall threw up a gang sign. I'm, and you're not going to get me to defend Count Card now, Count Cowherd. About, and I will say this: if it was a gang sign, I have not actually seen the sign he threw up. Now, so that I would know if it was or not, unless it's exactly he's throwing up a, a, a straight B to try to, to make it look like it. Not a good thing if you're in Washington. They've, their track record does not tone well over the last eight or nine years in terms of people keeping their nose clean, especially when one of their former players just got sentenced to 25 years in prison, Jarvis Crittenden. I, I just, I don't, again, I don't know enough about gang signs, so I, I'm not going to say whether he did or didn't. I've seen the movie uh, Colors. I do, I do know what a what the blood gang sign looks like, but I, I've seen it where you sit there and mess with your fingers so you can spell it out the whole way. Uh, but he flashed up something very quickly, and it was multiple things. And the blood thing is, is not multiple things. It's just one thing. Uh, so I don't, I, I don't know if it was a gang sign. I don't think it was. But the fact that, it's exactly what we talked about yesterday or the show before, Trevor. The fact that he made up his mind on John Wall years ago, and any time he gets something negative to say about him, he's going to. What John Wall did last night with the the pain that he played through, and, and, and the whole thing is Colin Coward's initial argument was that John Wall only cared about himself, and he danced during warm-ups. It shows he's not a team player, and he's not serious about the sport. He just played in a playoff game with five broken bones in his hand and played a hell of a game that should have led to a win that likely should have led to a series win. And then sure enough, Nene blows it for Washington and they end up losing. But then that's what you that that's when you just need to take a step back and realize that you're not doing your job right as a radio analysis or an analyst of any capacity when you cover the NBA. I wouldn't throw all the blame on a nay. And if, if Cowherd wants to really go at John Wall for some reason and pull some something out of the cracks to, to to insult him for his performance last night, he could have I would have gone towards the fact he only scored four points and had, I think, one assist in the second half, opposed to the great first half. If, if I wanted to be nitpicky and be Cal Cowherd, but then again, Cowherd would probably have to watch the game to understand that instead of actually having some producer tell him that the, he threw up a gang sign. So, and again, I didn't listen. Maybe he complimented John Wall for a great performance, this Got and it. that. I, but I, I don't know. Uh, I, I, Mike Morris wanted us to talk a little more. He tweeted in and said we, we, he wanted to hear a little more NBA talk. Time kind of slipped away from us. I wish we did have more time. Uh, do, the, do the Cavs close it out tonight, Trevor? Cavs closed it out a while back. That They're going to the finals. There's no doubt about it. I'm sorry, Atlanta. I'm sorry, Washington, if you get back in this series. Cavs are in the finals. It's a done deal. I, I think the Bulls win tonight, so I think we're at least going to seven. And then can the can my Rockets hold on one more game? No, Rockets, Rockets are uh, when you have to depend on somebody who has as little heart as Dwight Howard. I mean, the, the Scarecrow has more heart than he does, or I guess he had brains. He has more brains too. Uh, and, and and Harden, not I don't like Houston at all. That's going to be a Clippers Golden State series, which I'm surprised. I actually liked Memphis to win that series, but I'm now Man. I'm going to slip back to Golden State and L. A. And what's going to be one hell of a Knockdown, drag out, brawl, seven game series in the Western Conference Finals. 
Clippers, eight and a half point favorites. That seems a bit high for me. I'm sure Dwight Howard has a pretty large heart. I mean, if we're talking <laughs> literally, it reminds me of a great office quote when Michael's talking about Kevin and he says he's got an incredibly large heart. And then he goes on to say, no, I mean, it's probably unhealthily bad how, how large his heart is. It might be a horse heart. My, uh, my and, favorite qu- Kevin quote is when he's sitting there telling about how he got dumped by his girlfriend and he goes, I was reading the paper and I said, hey. The Eagles could win the <laughs> NFC East. And she said, we need to see other people. <laughs> that was, that's a perfect way. Let me think of me because that's how something I would probably do. Trevor, you're way too down on yourself. We're, we need to have a pump Trevor up show tomorrow. Way too down on yourself today, buddy. It's not all doom and gloom. You, we had a great quote, a great Kevin quote to end the show. And then you go on and say something like that. Welcome, a big guy uh, likes the Eagles. It's a, you, you, you do like the Eagles. We, we got to pump you up a little more tomorrow. Uh, so stick around on 1450, the sports buzz, Nick Coffey's Louisville theme show inside the press box coming next. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow on the sports talker with TJ Walker. Thanks for listening. Show them how Kentucky do Oprah Freaks Classics Paint Kentucky Blue They say don't forget 2-7 No, we hitting two Song call it blue Grand song call it purple I'ma call it home Take a shot of Tron Lay back in the lap And take two to the dome Ride from the Ville To BG in my zone Let me hear you say High time Sitting by the river Got my old shotgun Fishing pole in my leg